I'm caffeinated. My sister sent me a meme of me on coffee um, this morning, and it was hilarious. And so here we go. We've been in a series called Masterpiece in Progress. We've been going kind of bit by bit through the book of Ephesians, which is a letter in the New Testament um, written by either Paul or one of the disciples of Paul while he's in prison. And one of the things we're exploring is an answer to this question. How many of us are the us we want to be? Right? How many of us would say there's room to get better? Right? Okay. So that's the point. Like, we are in process. We are in progress of becoming. And the scriptures actually say that God is making us a masterpiece put on a shelf for all the generations to see the display of his glory. And we have kind of a key verse that's like a, 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 a Rubik's or a lens that we've been looking at to guide us through this. So let's read this out loud together. You ready? It's up on the screen. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. I love this verse for so many reasons. Not only... Uh, is this saying that we are God's masterpiece or handiwork or workmanship, that we are, his hands are all over us. But the second part is so that we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Did you know you have a purpose? From before the beginning of time, God set out you with a purpose. He planned something for you. That's why we say live the story. So today is February 24th. And that may not mean anything to you, but nine months ago today, my little baby girl was born. You can clap and celebrate. She's nine months old. We kept her alive. And um, Mila is at this really funny stage where she is learning like a sponge but she learns by mimicking. Anybody ever seen this? And so this week, because whenever I see her, I always wave and I say, hi. So now she does this. Ah. She's not ever looking at me when she does it. It's just kind of general. Ah. Like a, like, you know, like a be blessed kind of thing. Hi. You know. Ah. What I learn is that at that age, they learn by mimicking. They learn by Basically, doing whatever you do, they're trying to do the same thing in whatever capacity they have available to them. And so the message this morning, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm entitling it, Mimic and Grow. Or, if you want an alternate title, because I like alternate titles all the time, Walk How I Walk. Mimic and Grow. Here's the thing. If we're going to become the us, the church that God has planned for us long ago, if I'm going to become the me that God dreams for me, and if you're going to become the masterpiece that God says you are, we have to find a way, well, to do what Jesus does. We get invited to mimic him, to, to do what Jesus does, love does. And so when we read that verse, or when I told you that verse at the beginning of Ephesians chapter 5 in the 
ESV version. It says, walk in the way of love. That word for walk is the word peripateo. And it's an active word. Love does. It doesn't, it's, not, it's not stagnant. It's doing something. And so if I'm going to learn the way that I should walk, anybody know that everybody has a different walk? You ever seen somebody who works out so much that they can't put their arms down, right? Or somebody that walks with a little bounce? Or a limp, you know, like a little, you were, you were gimpy this morning, Zeb. Probably an injury, not a permanent thing but it's hurting, right? But it affects your walk. So we all have a different walk that we engage with. You ever see somebody come in the room and they're walking, you're like, what is happening? Like they just have an air to them. I wonder if that's when you're walking in the way of love, if that's the way God pictures this path that we're on. Here's what I know. If I'm going to do that, I have to be, Filled with the Holy Spirit. I have to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I have to live in the Spirit's power. And so when we started Ephesians 4, it took a turn for the practical. And today I want to explore what does it mean to walk in the way of love? And how do we live in the Spirit's power? You guys ready? Um, you can follow along with the message notes at wayfinders.info and write your own notes in the app there, or you can follow along on the screen or bust out your physical Bible and, uh, and read it. But here we go. Um, Ephesians chapter 5, starting verse 1. We're in the New Living Translation. Imitate God, therefore, in everything you do, because you are his dear children. Live a life filled with love. Following the example of Christ, he loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. Let there be no sexual immorality, impurity, or greed among you. Such sins have no place amongst God's people. Obscene stories, foolish talk, coarse jokes, these are not for you. I, I chuckle every time he says these are not for you because Holly and I, when, we, when our kids were little, and they start grabbing everything. You know what I'm talking about? Have you ever seen kids they grab touch they touch hot things we use the phrase not for you rather than no because no gets really old and redundant and so it's not for you not for so i hear this and i'm like not for you um it just makes me laugh these are not for you instead let there be thankfulness to god you can be sure that no immoral, impure, or greedy person will inherit the kingdom of Christ and of God. For a greedy person is an idolater, worshiping the things of this world. Verse 6, don't be fooled by those who try to excuse these sins. For the anger of God will fall on all who disobey him. Don't participate in the things these people do. For once you were full of darkness, but now you have light from the Lord. So check this out. So live as people of light. For this light within you, that's a big word, within you produces only what is good and right and true. Verse 10, and this is a great one to memorize, carefully determine what pleases the Lord. That's a whole verse. 
It's easy. You should memorize that. Carefully determine what pleases the Lord. Take no part in the worthless deeds of evil and darkness. Instead, expose them. It is shameful even to talk about the things that ungodly people do in secret. But their evil intentions will be exposed when the light shines on them. For the light makes everything visible. This is why it is said, awake, O sleeper, rise up from the dead, and Christ will give you light. Now, this is the section of scripture we're going to focus on this morning, especially verses 15 through 20. Here we go. Be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves, making music to the Lord in your hearts, and give thanks for everything. What? For everything. Let's say that again. Give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. So this is a lot of verses. We're not going to get to cover them all. So we're going to kind of breeze through that first section looking at a couple of key ideas, and then we're going to pick apart the last five so that we get an idea. When you become a Christian, right, when you start following Christ, when you start growing up as a child, isn't it easier to have the do's and the don'ts? Not for you. Swap back the hand. Don't touch that. Do this. Don't do that. Easton, do mommy and daddy give you kind of regulations, things that you should do and not do? Yeah. It's easier when you are a child to have some regulations, but there's a lot of us who become Christians and we stick with the do's and the don'ts and make it a legal system rather than leaning into the fullness of the life that God has for us. And this particular section of Scripture is addressing that because the Christian life, and this is big for everybody, every one of us, the Christian life is not about success or failure in our actions. It's not about the rules. In fact, it's not even... The Christian life is not even about changing my behavior or modifying my behavior. The Christian life is actually about the activity, the frequency, the wherewithal that I get to know the heart of my Father, of the Savior, and of God. Because when I get to know the heart of God, when I get to know the heart of the Savior, when I'm walking down that path together, hand in hand, with God, all of the sudden, what is working in my heart comes out to the surface. See, I can keep the rules for a while, but then it doesn't actually do the business of altering my heart. But when I get to know the heart of the Savior, something happens. And if you think about what this passage says, there's a couple of giant contrasts of what was your old life, and what is. And so it can seem like it's a list of behavior. The don'ts and the do's. Don't, do the, don't even associate with that. No, don't hang out with those people. Do this, don't do that, right? It can seem very quickly that it would go there. But check out what the writer says that you and I are called. In this section of Scripture, he says, you and I are beloved children of God. 
in this light, uh, in this passage, he says, we are people of light. People of light. Another word for that would be enlightened. Enlightened with what? With Christ within us. Because that light within, according to the verses that we just read, right? Verse 9, if you want to throw that up on the screen for me. For this light within you produces only, let's say it out loud, what is good, what is right, and what is true. How many of you would say that in all of your behavior, in all of your activity, in all of your interactions with the guy that cut you off in traffic, with the neighbor that just gets your skin crawling, with that guy at work that you can't, or to, we'll, we'll change, we'll stop picking on guys, with that lady at work that you just, oh, you just can't handle that, with your boss who took your work and claimed it as their own, with, I could keep making stories up here. How many of you say you're producing only what is good and right and true from within? If I'm, if I'm blatantly honest, there are times where what I produce doesn't look like this. And so my suspicion is that if we have been called children of light, if we have been, been called children of God, people of light, producing these things, if we're going to throw verse 10 up there, if we're going to carefully determine what pleases the Lord, I probably need some help, a little guidance. And that is where this passage begins to speak. How do we do that? How do we get to determine what pleases God? We do it by getting to know the heart of God. We do that by getting to know the heart of God. And so, if we're going to carefully determine what pleases the Lord, we have to spend time knowing His heart, but... It's not just another thing to add to your list because that could easily be, I got to add it, like go to the gym, do this, spend time there. It could just become another thing on the list. Instead, Jesus says it this way. When he's sitting at the table with his followers, so imagine for a second, you're sitting at the table with Jesus and he says, hey, guys, you know what? I want you to have this Christian life, this new life, I want you to have it to the, to the max. But you're going to use me as a crutch because things are going to go wrong and you're not going to do anything about it. And you're going to wait. You're going to be like, well, I'll see Jesus next week. So I'll just put it off and, and I'll talk to him about it when I see him. And then he says these words. It's better that I go because I'm sending you the Holy Spirit who will empower you and be with you. And this is what he says in John 16, 13. But when he the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth comes. He will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears the Father saying. Guys, if we're going to determine what pleases the Lord, we have to learn to hear the Father's heart. And the good news for us is that you don't have to figure that out all alone. In fact, the fact that you are here is an answer to a prayer that God would guide you and shape you, that his spirit would find you and speak into your life so that you would know what pleases God. 
the more that I um, listen and follow what the Holy Spirit says, the more it changes my behavior. So whereas I may have at one time given myself into something, I now have moderation and self-control because I was checked in my gut, right? I was checked with other people speaking into my life. So where I may wanted to have cussed my boss out or the person who cut me off into traffic and expressed an unrighteous anger, now the Holy Spirit has checked me, right, to have a righteous anger where instead of getting mad about trivial things, now I can get mad about refugees not finding asylum. I can get mad about people fleeing from war. I can get mad about unvoiced people being taken advantage of. And those are things that should rile us up as Christians. Not the fact that we got cut off in traffic while we're driving around our luxury cars. <laughs> that we can go from to and fro at like 80 miles an hour, which is just amazing. So the more that, that I listen to and follow the Holy Spirit, the more it changes my behavior. It's almost as if I'm living a totally different kind of life. Now, how many of you have had this experience? Someone in your world who is a Christian wears their giant I'm a Christian badge. They have a card that they whip out on occasion so that you know they're a card-carrying Christian, and they flaunt some things in your face to point out, I've got it figured out. You don't. I'm right. You're wrong. Ha, 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 ha. Anybody know that? Anybody experienced that before? Thank goodness it's not Wayfinders people that are doing that because I would go ballistic on all of us. Um, if we're going to walk in the way of love, what does Corinthians tell us? Love doesn't boast. Love isn't rude. You know, in my household, we've been working on this. You can be right or you can be kind. I think there's a way to do both, but there's only a way to do both in the presence of the Holy Spirit. And so when this passage starts talking about exposing darkness, it's not talking about whipping out my card and making a statement to somebody. It's not pointing out my rightness and your wrongness. What it is is exposing where things are wrong and saying, hey, what could God do here? What could God do here if we walked this way? What, what, what would happen in your life if you went down this path with me, a different path, a path of love? What would happen if you heard, you see that, that the thing that we just heard? I think that's actually God prompting you. And so as Christians, we get to say, hey, Chris, this thing that you're going through, I think this is actually maybe like God working in your life. And what if God's inviting you to, do you see how that's totally different? So we start making these contrasts, and it's like we're walking, finding our way. Ooh, I just went finding our way. Down a different path because we're wayfinders. So um, I'm not a artist. I'm glad our kids are making masterpieces in the back. And I'm glad God calls me a masterpiece, but I struggle even with stick figures. However, I love good art. And one of the things that I've learned about good art is that there is a lot of contrast. 
The brush strokes and the colors and the light and the darkness and the shadows create depth and dimension and beauty. And that without contrast, you basically get something very blank and bland. I think the writer here in Ephesians begins to write these things out so that we get a sense of contrast. That the body of faith, the, the people called believers, are on a different path, the path of love, and the Holy Spirit begins to create contrast. So if you've ever been around somebody and you feel like when you're with them, you're somehow closer to God, that's some contrast. If you've ever been around somebody and their behavior is completely unexpected from what the normal thing is and they're just a little bit weird or peculiar, that is some contrast. And for me, when I find people in the face of the biggest darknesses of their lives that find peace or grace or walk with mercy or are insanely generous, all of a sudden I'm saying, something is different about this person. They are on a different path. And nine times out of ten, when I am suspicious about that and I strike up a conversation because I'm an extrovert and can do that easily, um, what I find is usually it's people trying to listen to the Holy Spirit guide their lives and they live weirdly, peculiarly, wonderfully. And that is what this passage begins to do. So in verses 15 through 20, verse 15 says, Be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but, those, but like those who are wise. That word that gets translated fools is this word, asophos. Sophia means wisdom. So A being without, asophos, lacking wisdom. Have any of us ever lacked wisdom? I have in my life more than one occasion lacked wisdom. A, there have been plenty of times where I have made decisions without taking care. B, there have been plenty of times where I have listened to the wrong voices. The reason why parents want their children around other children and maybe not as much time with other children, I'm very graciously trying to say this, right? But you know what I'm talking about? Because of human nature, the sense is when we spend all of our time with fools, we end up acting like fools. Can I get an amen to this? How many pranks did I pull in college because I was hanging out with stupid people? Right? How many times did I make a rash decision because I was listening to the wrong voice? And so when it says be careful how you live, it is inviting us to do something different. Um, on our staff, our team, Pastor Chris always reminds me of this line. I think he invented it, but maybe he stole it. Either way, I'm giving you full credit. Um, he says that our collective wisdom is better than my individual wisdom. And so we have to trust that if we are going to be careful how we live, we're going to purposefully do life together with people that are spurring us on in godly action. 
and that their collective wisdom and the voices being poured into us will help us live wise. For me personally, that starts with if I don't have a mentor, someone who I'm bringing ideas and situations and need clarification on or just talk things through to. If, I'm not, if I don't have that relationship, it, it doesn't work for me. I like to talk through all of my problems out loud. And so I need a mentor. But who should you pick? You should pick people who are for you, but you should pick people who are ahead of you in the life that you want in Christ. You should not pick someone as a mentor who is just going to be a yes man and tell you what you want to hear, as easy as that is. But this is why we choose to be vulnerable with each other in groups, because our collective wisdom is better than our own. If we are what we eat, right, which isn't really about food, then we need to feed our soul with people that are going to spur us with wisdom. Look at verse 17, right? Verse 17 says, don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. That word thoughtlessly is the word for lacking sense, aphron. Lacking sense. Have you, have you ever lacked sense? I, never? <laughs> okay, I might be the only one here. But for me, sense, it has to do with this idea of in kind of a perspective. If I'm full of sense, then I understand how things are connected. I do this, therefore this is the outcome. But sometimes I can't see the forest through the trees, and so I'm spinning my wheels. I'm doing the same things, getting the same results, and wondering why I'm not seeing movement and momentum and change happen in my life. And so if we are going to understand what the Lord's wanting us to do and not act thoughtlessly, we have to have some intentionality, some direction, and some vision. The wisest man who ever lived in Proverbs wrote it down this way. He said, be careful what you think because your thoughts run your life. Be careful what you think because your thoughts run your life. Which means wherever I am lingering, whatever I am focused on over a period of time, what happens? That ultimately controls my life. So what are we looking at? If you're spending a lot of time watching TV shows that don't promote the values that you actually want in your life, do you think you're instilling those values in your life? I mean, this is a silly example. And I'm not saying, hey, don't watch those TV shows because they have this rating or that rating. I'm not trying to be legalistic about it. I'm simply saying, what are my dominant thoughts where I am focused in my attention? If my focus and attention is how can I love people and serve people? How can the Holy Spirit change my life? How can I get rid of that dark spot that I, I, I still haven't told anybody about? Then all of a sudden, maybe that might spur some activity because of what the Lord is wanting to do in my life. I think, too, like, think about it this way. If you focus, like Philippians says, think about what is noble and true and right and good, right? If you think about what the Spirit is supposed to be producing in the fruit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, right? 
If we're thinking about those things and we're producing those things, if that's the life that I'm having, then all of a sudden it's a totally different ball game. Look at verse 18 with me. Don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, everybody say this out loud together, be filled with the Holy Spirit. This isn't just about drinking, by the way. <laughs> One version says don't, don't get drunk on wine because that's debauchery. And the word there for will ruin your life or debauchery is the word esotia, which means lacking sobriety. Can I be honest with all of us? When you are going through a challenge in your life, sin is a solution. I can give in to my anger and say that thing that I was thinking that is highly destructive in relationship and to someone's soul. I could feed that. It's not a good solution. It doesn't actually solve the problem, but it is a solution. In the same way, I could drown my sorrows with a drink or a pill or some other altered state, but it doesn't actually deal with the problem. It, it provides a momentary symptom management solution rather than actually solving it. And so what the writer of Ephesians is saying is, if there is an old life and there is a new life, rather than making it about legalism, but what you can do and can't do, how about you just choose to fill up with the Holy Spirit? Because instead of a symptom management solution, it actually solves the problem. Which is so interesting how he ends these. Let's look at verses 16, 19, and 20. Verse 16 says, make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Um, I'm not even going to try to say that top word in Greek because it's impossible. But I looked it up, and the way that it's described is imagine you're at the outlet mall, right? I have all the ladies' attention all of a sudden. Imagine you're at the, not all the ladies. I didn't mean to be so dismissive if you're not a shopper. I have all the shoppers. My wife love, loves shopping at the outlet mall and only the outlet mall because of this very reason. All the bargains are there to be had for you. Everything's already on sale. And so this word, right, make the most of every opportunity, is the idea that you're in the marketplace snapping up all the sales that you could possibly take home with you. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days to do what? That verb is actually tying all the way back to verse 2. Make the most of every opportunity to walk in the way of love. Like when someone comes up to you and you see problem, the Holy Spirit says opportunity. Make the most of every opportunity given. To show Christ's love more 
and more. In a world that has a hard time because of evil and brokenness, that has a hard time with hope and forgiveness, what a peculiar response to say, instead of dismissing you for all of your problems, I'm going to see you as a way to show God's love. And by the way, here's this path that I'm walking down. Do you want to walk it with me? Because together something's going to happen. As the band comes up, I want to read these verses to you. Verses 19 and 20 say, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves, making music to the Lord in your hearts, and giving thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. What a strange response. In everything that you face, choosing to give praise, choosing to sing about God's goodness, what a altered reality. So, let me just ask you this. Are you walking as a people of light? Are you a little bit weird? And I, I don't know that I've ever said this, but the invitation today is to get weird. The invitation for you and me is to be peculiar. That when situations arise, we don't lean into this old way of life which self-gratifies at the expense of others. Instead, the person that we know uses us, we choose to give life to and love to anyway. That person that is incredibly frustrating, that, that angers us. Instead of feeding our anger, we're going to cast our thoughts on how we can produce joy in their lives as well as ours. These are weird things that we get invited to. But if we're going to walk into the way of love, if we're going to go down that path, we're going to be inviting the Holy Spirit to make us just a little bit tilted. Is there a contrast in your life as opposed to our culture. Sometimes it's not just the culture out there. Sometimes it's the culture in here too. My prayer for us is a bold prayer where we come to know the Holy Spirit intimately. And we are invited to shift, to live as people of light, producing what is good and true and right. As wayfinders, we are not only walking down a path, but we are invited to be a guide for anyone who hasn't quite traversed the space that we have just walked. And we'll listen to the people ahead of us and ahead of them, and the voice of God coming down the line saying, no, no, this way. This is the way you should go. Sometimes when I see a giant contrast like what is listed here in this scripture, sometimes it makes me feel bad about myself. My life doesn't look like the life that Paul just described. And I think, I have so far to go. 
And you know what? People on the way of love, they don't look at it like that. They say, nah, look how far you've come. Look back and get some perspective. Don't be senseless, but wise. Don't be foolish, but live with intentionality and purpose. Put some teeth and we'll do it together. We'll love first. We'll do life together. When I think that God is making a masterpiece out of you and out of me, out of us as our church, it's incredibly humbling. So what we're going to do, church, as we sing, is we're going to bring praise for what God has done and what God will do. We're going to give God praise for who we've been and who we will be. No matter what we face, because He makes darkness flee. He silences all fear and gives us courage to cheer. He makes us a masterpiece. So would you stand and sing this song which invites us to allow the presence of God to bring whatever we face to peace. It invites us to get a little bit peculiar, just a little bit weird. And as you're singing, maybe ask the Spirit what needs to be shifted. Let's sing.
you need beat back. I don't know what relationship you need restored. I don't know where you need light or where you need guidance or help or truth, but I know the Holy Spirit is fully available to us. You just got to want to know his heart. And when you speak that name, fears are gone. You're not playing a what-if game anymore. You're not counting who's right and who's wrong. There's no way for a relationship. You're diving in. This is timely. The verse of the day just popped up on my phone, and it says, and now, just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. It's that simple. You and I can be empowered to walk in the way of love down a different path, but we have to know the one whose heart we're following. So may you, my wayfinders, I pray that from his glorious, unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength in his spirit. Then, Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust him. Your roots will grow down deep into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand as all God's people do, how wide and how long and how high and how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully, and you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes 
from God. Now all glory to God, who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Go, live in the presence and power of the Spirit. Walk in light as beloved children and walk in the way of love. You're dismissed. Have a great week. Yeah.